Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name is Jonathan Webdale. It's our annual look ahead to MIPCOM in Cannes, arguably the, the biggest gathering of the TV industry in, in Europe. I'm joined by some of our esteemed colleagues from C21 Media, Richard Middleton, who is the editor of our flagship magazine, Channel 21, Clive Whittingham, who is our news editor, and Drama Quarterly editor, Michael Pickard. Hello, everyone. How are you? Hello, very well. Hello. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We've all just emerged from from magazine deadlines. Richard, you oversee Channel 21. It's a bit of a beast. Again, we say this every year, but it is uh, a particularly large issue. I think it's it's fair to say this time round, and partly because it's also a bit of a special one for us. Richard, why don't you tell us a, a little bit more about it? Indeed, it's 200 pages all about the industry. Um, we're marking C21's 21st birthday down in Cannes. So we've got a real mixture of pieces that look back on the past 21 years. A nice retrospective piece that delves into some of the developments over the last two decades and really looks at what it meant for the industry. We go way, way back to uh, 1997, pre the dot-com boom. We follow it all the way through uh, the launch of Netflix and we look at the implications as well. Um, We also have some really in-depth features with people like Marco Bassetti, uh, Banerjee, Mark Lindsay of, of BBC Studios, uh, Ben Silverman of Propagate and obviously formerly of NBC Universal. And we sort of tap into some of their experiences and, and memories of the last uh, 21 years, look at how they think the industry's developed. What were some of the thoughts that were coming out of people that we've we've spoken to? 97, as you say, was the year that, uh, that C21 launched. It was also the year that Netflix launched as a DVD by post business. Two companies have gone on a similar trajectory, I think it's fair to say. Um, <laughs> apart from Netflix and, and the rise of SVOD, what are some of the other major developments that some of the execs that we've spoken to have, have highlighted? Well, one of the big ones has been the, the sort of explosion and, uh, and then perhaps arguably contraction of the formats industry. So from 97, 98, 99, we had huge shows, Big Brother, Survivor, that type of thing, really introduced the reality genre to the world. And it's easy perhaps to forget now just how big those shows were and the impact that they had on the industry on a global basis. It really helped develop the the international industry as we know it now, forging relationships with people that perhaps previously hadn't worked together to create these sort of behemoths of the of the, the TV world. So we look into some of the shows that yeah really did define that era. A lot of them admittedly are still known now in the industry. So Big Brother is still going strong in I think it's more than 20 odd countries. So it's, it's still a very sort of pertinent subject. And obviously we're also talking about mergers and acquisitions. So we talked to Marco Bassetti, obviously Banerjee at the moment at the centre of the discussions around Animal Shine Group and whether or not they're going to potentially acquire that company. And he's talking very much about the market at present being expensive. So it'll be an interesting development to see if he does actually buy uh, Animal Shine Group, but he's he's very much focused on small uh, smaller companies, getting hold of talent, really supporting that talent and help nurture it. Uh, that seemed to be his strategy. So. I think probably, again, highlights the two extremes of the industry. Either you've got to be small uh, and and get backed by someone like Banerjee, or you're a giant and you've got a huge machine behind you and and you can keep going that way. It's, I think, across the board, becoming increasingly tough for sort of middle-sized players as all the M&A and all the vertical integration 
comes to play. And that, that brings us neatly onto news. I mean, really, that's going to be the biggest story down in Cannes this, this time round. Endemol Shine, as you say, is still very much in play. Speculation around Banerjee. ITV has recently ruled itself out. Endeavour content has been linked. In the meantime, obviously, Disney's acquired 21st Century Fox. Comcast has bought Sky. Warner Media and HBO are now a part of AT&T. Clive, in terms of the news beat, it's going to be a pretty busy one, I would have thought, this time round. Yeah, so we've just... I mean, the gossip about Endemol Shine is going to be the, the one that that's going to be the story that everybody is uh, chasing down there. As, as previously discussed, ITV put out a statement saying they're not currently chasing that business and that's been reported as them backing away and, and giving up on it. I mean, Carolyn McCall is the ITV chief executive, is one of the keynotes next week. So it'll be, it'll be interesting because she's spoken recently at the ITV annual results about being more than TV, um, more than a commercial broadcaster in the production business that they've got now. So hopefully she'll put some more flesh on those uh, bones with her keynote. Like I say, they have distanced themselves from Endemol Shine, but the wording of it was... Uh, clever perhaps. The Disney and uh, Fox and the Sky and Comcast deals, that's all about who's going to fall out of those companies. Once you slam two companies together there's a lot of execs come falling out so there'll be uh, there'll be chat about that as well I'm sure. A lot of this M&A activity is being driven by the bigger sort of macro changes that are taking place in the business as we've discussed previously over the, over the last 21 years. It's really the shift towards streaming I guess which is prompting much of this activity. It's having a fundamental impact on the distribution business which is part of the focus of the C21 Pro global distribution report we'll be releasing at the market and it's also another one of the uh, the pieces that we've we've delved into in in the main magazine Rich. It is indeed yeah we, yeah, we have a nice four-page piece really as you say delving into the whole distribution market and sort of what's happening there so we've got these huge companies you know we've got Scar, we've got Fox, Disney, Comcast, NBCU they've all got their own distribution arms so on the one hand we're looking at sort of what happens when those companies merge does that mean as Clive alluded to execs falling out and what happens to them I think one of the things perhaps at the market will be distribution execs looking for new jobs looking where to go next because at the same time as these giant companies are merging you've also got operators like Disney which is going increasingly straight to market and it perhaps doesn't need to sell its shows in the same way that it used to it can it can just launch its its OTT service that I think coming it's meant to be coming next year. Suddenly distribution as we know it has completely and fundamentally changed. And it'll be interesting to see how distribution execs find their way over the next few years. There's a lot of gossip about that that Disney SVOD service about it potentially blowing you know even Netflix out of the water what Netflix spend eight billion a year on uh, content. Someone was saying to me the other week they'd heard that, that Disney would be spending double or triple even that per year just trying to blow the competition out of the water the uh, as well as distribution execs looking for other jobs it's third party distributors looking for content isn't it i mean just i wouldn't want to be a third party distributor at the minute because where is the content going to be for them with all this vertical integration if you've got your own svod service you've got your own distribution arm you've got your own producers where is the where is the content for the independent third party distributors so we're already hearing rumours that Disney, for example, is is beginning to um, pull in the rein on some of its content. It's already done it very dramatically with, with the relationship it had with Netflix, as you say, bringing it to an end as of 2019 when it launches its own OTT service. Combined with the 21st Century Fox library of content, it also has a majority stake now in Hulu, so it's going to be interesting to see whether that US-based SVOD service branches out internationally. We haven't even talked about Apple yet or Facebook. Facebook. Facebook are going to have a, a big presence at the market. They're doing more, it seems, in 
unscripted at the moment, whereas Apple is making a, a heavy investment in, in scripted and, and hasn't come out yet exactly with, uh, with a strategy for launching the shows that it's developing. What about Facebook? Some reports I've seen suggest that the, the actual awareness of Facebook Watch as a platform is, is pretty low, but that being said, the global reach that they have and, and the investment that they're putting into this space is, is, is bound to bear fruit at some stage. Yeah, they've got Matthew Hennick and Parish uh, Rajwa are giving uh, a keynote address on Wednesday and it'll be interesting to hear what they've got to say because got, there are some some big players going into unscripted Netflix have obviously had a, a great year with with some of their formats Amazon did a deal with Mark Burnett last week to bring back eco challenge so where do Facebook fit in that that's uh, one of the questions that hopefully will get answered in that uh, that keynote on Wednesday I think and also there's an interesting with that Netflix deal particularly sort of how they're going to treat formats uh, that is a whole new again a whole new ball game that sort of the rules are yet to be written. Um, Lionsgate are launching a show down down in Cannes called You Kidding Me, a format, basically an elaborate an, an elaborate prank format, um, which launched on Facebook Watch in the US, but is available elsewhere if you're interested. So it's it's sort of looking at that global model of buying all the rights. Facebook hasn't done that with that show. It's sort of looking, you know, how is that whole market going to develop? Are the streamers going to behave as they did in the drama market or are they going to perhaps take a different view? A press conference was was scheduled for, for MIP with all three media, a studio, Lambert and Motion Content Group presenting their, their new social experiment reality format, The Circle, which started recently on Channel 4 in the UK. That press conference was pulled when Netflix came in and, and swooped up global rights to the show and um, I guess it's a sign perhaps of things to come. People have been talking already about the way in which streamers are hoovering up rights in the scripted space before programmes are even coming to market. That looked like a fairly obvious example of that, that trend moving over into unscripted as well. Yeah, it comes back to that lack of content available to to third parties, which we discussed earlier. You know, anything that's remotely successful and available is going to be hoovered up. You would think Apple, Disney, when they're going to be content hungry as well. It's just that lack of availability of content. Mike, sadly, you're not going to be joining us at MIPCOM this time round, but you are jetting around um to a number of sets around the world at the moment. Tell us about some of the places that you're heading to. Yeah, it's going to be a busy couple of weeks while everyone's in Cannes. I've made my own trips, so um, I'll be heading to Florence to see the launch of Medici the Magnificent, which will be coming to, to MIPCOM with a screening from Beta Film. I'm also going to be heading to Stockholm with Echo Rights to see filming of Hedda, um, which is a female-led legal drama that has Sophia Helin among the creators. And then, yeah, while everyone's in MIPCOM, I'm going to be in Morocco with all three media international to see an uh, episode of Miss Fisher's Mysteries, the Australian period drama being filmed. So I've not been to Morocco before, so that would be a, a very exciting uh, trip to go on, definitely. You've obviously been doing a lot of prep, though, in, in the run-up to MIPCOM. Even though you're not going to be there, Drama Quarterly will be. Tell us a little bit about what's in the magazine and tell us what the uh, drama standout stories are going to be at MIPCOM this year. Inside, we've we've been on other set visits, so that's been great. We've been to see uh, a BBC drama called Informer, which is um, about the relationship between a handler and informant um, set in a a very different London to one I imagine that people will recognise from other TV shows. I've also been to Vienna this year to see the filming of M, which is a beta film series for RTL Crime and ORF in Austria, and that promises to be a very creepy, suspenseful um, take on, on Fritz Lang's classic film. And my colleague went to Romania for DQ a few months ago to see HBO Europe's Hackerville 
which is a co-production with TNT in Germany. We've also got articles on trends looking at the, the latest sort of in TV movies. While everyone is loving 8, 10, 13 part series, there's still a lot of love for TV movies and, and single dramas, particularly when it comes to particular issues and themes. We're talking about logistics of making global drama. Co-productions are obviously nothing new. They've been going around for years, but now with no longer the focus being on English language and the fact that technology means that time zones are no longer as difficult to, to navigate as they once were, we're now seeing quite a few dramas that are covering huge distances. So I speak to the producer of The Cry, which is set between Glasgow and Melbourne. I speak to a couple of Finnish producers talking about um, Invisible Heroes, which is set between Finland and Chile in the 1970s. And there's another Finnish drama called The Paradise, which is set between Finland and Little Helsinki, which is actually a place in southern Spain. So there's lots of those sort of big scale co-productions going on and I just sort of got to speak to a few people about what goes into actually making them and how people from different countries write and produce series together. So what about Cannes specifically? What are, what are the big shows uh, at MIPCOM 2018 in terms of drama? I think down in Cannes we're going to be seeing um, some really top drama coming down. You know, the move from film and to TV is just becoming more evident now with some of the stars that we're going to be seeing in Cannes sort of walking the red carpet. I think front of mind will be um, Escape at Dannemore, which is the CBS Studios International series that's premiering on the Monday night that's directed by Ben Stiller based on the true story of a, a prison break in New York State. The fact that Ben is going to be in Cannes as well, he's doing a Q&A after the screening, so he'll definitely be worth seeing. The personality of the year um, is Issa Rae, who's best known as the creator and star of HBO's Insecure. I think she's going to be a really interesting speaker because she's really um, at the forefront of this next generation of stars who are writing and producing their own material. So it's going to be really interesting to see what she has to say. Other stars we're going to have are the stars of Les Miserables, the BBC Studios series. So we've got Dominic West, Ellie Bamba, um, David Oyelowo coming down to talk about that one, which is going to be a big BBC show for 2019. We've also got Richard Gere um, at the BBC stand to be talking about Mother, Father, Son, which is a, a Tom Rob Smith drama coming soon. Sean Bean and, and Billy Zane are going to be with Sky Vision talking about sort of Fast and the Furious TV drama called Curfew, um, which is getting a lot of buzz. And we're going to have Jenna Coleman as well talking about The Cry, which is a, a BBC drama from DRG. So she's going to be back in Cannes a couple of years after she was first promoting Victoria with ITV. Obviously, in October, we're going to be seeing sort of how some of the new US dramas are coming along. If you haven't already bought them in LA, now's the time to sort of see what's making its mark. And I think among those, The Rookie, which is an E1 series that reunites uh, Nathan Fillion from the, uh, with the Castle showrunner Alexi Hawley. I think that's going to be a big seller and I'm sure E1 will have an announcement to make about that in Cannes as well. Okay, well, thanks very much, Mike. Thanks very much also to, to Richard and to Clive as well. That's all we have time for in this episode of the C21 podcast. If you're coming down to Cannes, then please do come and join us at Club C21. It's going to be a big celebration for our 21st anniversary this year. We look forward to seeing you there. If not, make sure you stay up to date by following C21 online, on Twitter and on mobile for all the latest news in the international TV industry. Thanks very much for listening. Thank <laughs> you.